This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Aftershock Central Podcast, episode 31. We haven't forgotten about you. We're just all super busy. Super busy. See, you hear Ronnie in the background? He's having lunch. He's so dedicated, he's recording this podcast while stuffing his face. <laughs> that is correct. Mm. I'm recording this podcast on vacation because I have nothing better to do. So I'm recording like 80 hours worth of podcast this week because, uh, you know, it is what it is. Anyways, welcome. It's been a while. Nice to see you. Come take a seat on this not-so-comfy couch. <laughs> Good thing you're on that podcast, too, because then we get plagiarism. <laughs> I am on a very uh, comfy chair, though. I got a, I got a new chair for my birthday, and, uh-huh. and it's freaking awesome. I could probably fall asleep on it. Anyways, we're not here to talk about my chairs or how Ronnie's jealous of my vacation. We're here to talk <laughs> about Aftershock books. And before you say... Well, wait a second. Where's Jack? Jack Jack started a new job. He's very busy. So I think uh, Jack's going to be taking a little break from uh, the podcast. And uh, it's going to be Ronnie and myself for a little bit. That's right. Maybe we can get uh, get somebody else to join every once in a while. Maybe. Maybe. I'll think about it. Anyways, we got a ton of books. we got four books to talk about. Uh, which one do you want to start with? Let's go with Shipwreck first. Oh, I'm surprised. I thought you were going to say something else. All right, let's do Shipwreck first. So first up, we've got Shipwreck. Ugh. Ooh. Yikes. Easy for you to say. Can't talk on my vacation. Yikes. Shipwreck number five. Finally. Uh, this came out two weeks ago, so yes. Yes, yes, yes. We're behind. But you know what? We're gonna re- we're, we're recording like every two weeks. So, you know, it happens. Uh, Shipwreck number five is Warren Ellis... Uh, writing, Phil Hester on art, Eric Gapsert on inks, Mark Englert on colors, and Marshall Dillon on letters. And I don't ever know how to recap this book. I guess uh, we, we, learn, we, learn, we learn more about what the hell's happening, kind of, mm-hmm. but not really. Right. I mean, we do. We do. It's kind of like one of those, the more questions get answered, the more questions get asked. Yes, 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 yes. I gotta say, this is a really, really quick read. Because a lot of, I don't know, like the first third of the book, they're all like full page spreads. I'm like, Is full page spread a thing? Did I just make that up? I, I know a know. double page spread is a thing. <laughs> yes, I would say that that's probably a thing. Okay, full page spread. If not, uh, Nerd Legion 2017, trademark copyright. <laughs> And uh, we, we, we learn a little bit more about the crash. I love these first few pages. Like, they were super quick to read because it's, like, one panel per page or, like, two maybe. But uh, they're freaking awesome, man. Like, uh, Phil Hester, man. I got to tell you. You're my idol. Phil Hester, you're my idol. He's been doing that 100 Kirby's thing all week. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter. If you don't, you should. At Phil I Hester. Do. Oh, my God. They're freaking awesome. And... Uh, I, j- I just love the art. It's so stylized. A lot of this reminds me of, I don't know, like Hellboy maybe? Early Hellboy? Uh, yeah, I was going to say um, Hellboy or like Hellblazer even. Ooh, Hellblazer, yeah. You're right. 
You're right. When uh, when Jenkins was doing it. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally see that. Um, so yeah, we we learn a little bit more about the crash. We learn a little bit more about uh, the fact that this this world have, they haven't named this world right. No. Okay. This, not really. This world knew that Earth was building uh, the ship to come into their alternate reality. And they sent a spy to try to uh, stop the whole thing from happening. But they kind of want the tech. And there, there's a few different factions, too. Because we get to see a couple characters from previous issues that our, our main character met. And they talk about how they want the tech for themselves. That's the way I read it, at least. Did you read it that way? Yeah, that's how I read it. But it's, it's like for personal gain, though, right? It's not like a government thing. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's personal gain to get back and forth between realities. Yeah, because the, the one character was the, the spider lady, mm -hmm. and she just wants it to, like, rob places. <laughs> yeah, basically. Like, she wants to teleport in, rob a place, and teleport out, mm -hmm. uh, regardless of reality. So that's cool. Um, we also see uh, how he got his burnt arm. I like that. That was a good page. Yeah, we had a lot of good character progression here mm -hmm. that we hadn't seen. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, the first three issues were a lot of, like, what the F is happening? And then issue four, you got, like, some basic setup for the backstory, and now that's being explored. Right. And, and for Cartwright, also, like, the first couple issues, he seemed like a Stone Cold-type badass, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then here we realize that he's actually a coward he is because that's the reason he wanted to build this thing was to get the hell out of dodge right he didn't really care about saving humanity from global warming and whatever else is affecting earth yeah, yeah so I, th I thought i thought that was a cool twist yeah that was great that was great i uh i don't know this was uh this was interesting i i wish it would continue on like a set schedule yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like and I know Ellis is busy. Ellis gets busy. Okay. This is yeah. not like a surprise for comic book readers. If you've been reading comics for a long time, especially Ellis comics, you know the Ellis thing. Right. The only thing would be like Kevin Smith writing it, right? Because we'd get the first four issues and then never finish it. Well, and then it wouldn't be good. <laughs> oh snap. Watch your mouth. Oh snap. No, Kevin Smith had a good run for a little while, but I, I don't know what's going on with that man nowadays. Yeah. He he announces something, and then it never happens. Yeah, there's too many irons in the fire and not good time management. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, question. At the end, mm -hmm. we have we have this guy with the camels Yeah. in a spacesuit. Is he in a spacesuit? It looks like a spacesuit to me. Are you talking that gets in the car? Uh, no, 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 he doesn't get in the car. As they're driving through this wasteland, like, they drive by this one guy who's, like, herding camels. Oh, okay, okay. Right before they get to the, the destroyed bridge. Okay. Um, uh, have we seen that guy before? He didn't look familiar, but he's in a spacesuit. Maybe he's part of the mission. Yeah, I don't think we've seen him before. And then you you have a recap of some a bunch of characters that we saw previously, including uh -huh. the, the the rock monument thing that mm -hmm. Cartwright ran into in issue one, I believe. 
Mm-hmm. And it looks like it might be a living thing because he's got a skull head inside it. And he's he's standing with all the other characters, so maybe? Yeah, I don't know. And then, like, there's the box-headed children. Yeah. Running from the burning church. Mm-hmm. And then the inspector shows up at the end. The inspector right. does show up because I think he he's he's part of the government conspiracy, right, to sabotage the original mission. Yeah, right. And so he wants to find the uh, the the teleporter machine and kill Cartwright apparently because he's on his way to a future crime scene. Yours, dun dun dun. Yeah, this, this is a good issue. I uh, I dug it. I dug it. I, I got to tell you, this is going to be one of those books that will read fantastic in trade. And if you're reading it in singles as it comes out, like there's a lot of questions, but I think reading it in one sitting, it's going to be freaking awesome. And I believe the next issue is the last one. I think so. I think it's only a six issue mini. Yep. Issue six, Rescue. So will he get rescued? I'm going to say no. Yep. That's my assumption. Yep. But that's what it's called, Rescue. So overall, uh, really interesting I, uh, again, I wish it would come out on time every month, but I get it. I get it. So let's let's rate this one up. Where where where's your head at? Um, I'm gonna go with three point seven five. Just because uh, Hester's art is awesome, so that gets the most of it. Mm-hmm. And it was a quick read, like you said before. Yep. But on the high note, there was a lot of developmental stuff that happened. Yep. So, and it kind of makes me wish that there wasn't just six issues. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The world's uh, the world's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go a little bit higher. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, a four. Oh, maybe even higher than that. A four point two five. But small caveat. For me, the art's a 5, and the story's maybe like a 3.5, so I'll just average it out to a 4.25. Uh, 4.333 repeating is my answer. <laughs> Sounds good. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm totally agreeing with you, and I hope, I hope we get a nice resolution uh, with issue 6. I hope all the questions are answered, because I, I don't believe that we'll see a, a shipwreck too, as much as I would love that. Right. Cool. Let's go to the next one. Let's do... Uh, Jimmy's Bastards? Sounds good. Jimmy's Bastards number three. This is Garth Ennis writing, Russ Brown on art, John Calise on colors, Rob Steen on letters. And uh, I don't even know, man. I don't like I don't even care to recap this book. Okay. Um, Jimmy's just kind of an a-hole and everything's funny to him. But uh, Star Stuff's going down in, in this issue. So after the, the events of issue two, where all the all, all Jimmy's bastards start uh, killing or trying to kill Jimmy, um, just get, like, half of this issue is just him shooting his kids. Yeah, and him not knowing and them, them screaming out, like, dad, and then boom. Yes, yes. And then his partner, of course, knows because she is one of his kids. Yep. And uh, she kind of gives him a little bit of information, which I don't think he takes seriously. 
No, I don't think so. Um, we get to see the the main bad, who I'm assuming is the oldest kid, who yeah. looks exactly like Jimmy. Yeah, and I which, think this is this is one of the reasons why we were a little confused in the first issue, right? Yeah, I think Jack had that confusion in the first issue, right? Yep, yep. Uh, and he's just a, a total like he he is an exact evil version of Jimmy because he's completely aloof and doesn't care about anything. Yep. Yeah. You know, ultimately the goal is just to get rid of Jimmy. And he doesn't care who he kills or, like, whatever. And everything's funny to him. Um, so that, that's interesting. Anything so else my, you want to talk about on this? Well, my question is, like, his, uh, Jimmy's partner, his daughter, yeah, is actually supposed to be, like, right? Yeah. But do you think that... Uh, she's actually leaning towards Jimmy's side and figuring out that, I mean, even though he is an asshole, that he's not really that bad and that he's just clueless? Or do you think she's still on the side of her siblings? That's a good question. No, I think I think she is on Jimmy's side. Because, um, I mean, this, this would have been the perfect time to get rid of Jimmy. Yeah. You know right. what I'm saying? Like... If it wasn't for her help, he would not have made it out of this place. I mean, I think she saves him a couple times, like people coming in from behind him, she shoots him. And I mean, she's a total badass. She's killing people left and right. Yep. Um, And I mean, even towards the end, when they find find the the guy, the African guy, Uh like she's the one that saves him from getting shot. Yeah, well, see, I didn't know if that was there on purpose or, you know, once you're deep undercover, you don't want to show your cards too quick into the scheme of things. So I didn't know if that was just her still being undercover. I mean, I could see that, but again, like... I mean, because she just shot, like, their informant, basically. She didn't shoot, you know, one of the main bad kids if that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah. no that makes sense <clears throat> so, but i mean like she's covering like she, she she's burning bodies to cover their tracks yeah you yeah. know she she shoots the yeah she shoots the guy the informant but it's like a non-lethal shot right so he would fall off the boat and he he's saved from the sharpshooters because of that right uh, and that also causes jimmy to be saved because he goes after the informant um as he's falling down. So I don't know. It seems to me like maybe initially she was in to lure Jimmy into the trap. But now as they're progressing, maybe she does genuinely feel like the mission is important. And whether she tries to save Jimmy in the end, I don't know. But I think right now for for the greater good, let's just say... Right. She she is doing the right thing. And the right, right. thing is keeping Jimmy alive. Yeah. <clears throat> Agreed. Yep. So uh overall ratings ratings. Um dude, I still love this book. <laughs> I, I know some people don't because of but 
I'm going to give it a solid four just for the fun factor and the witty one-liners and just the, I mean, it's not, I guess it can be complex, but it's just a fun read all over. Mm-hmm. So four for me. Well, and like I said, I've compared this to the uh, the TV show Archer. Yep. It's very much like it, and uh, I dig it. I think Ennis has done James Bond before, right? He's written the actual book. Right, yeah. So, I mean, he he's very familiar with the tropes and stuff, and I like how he's playing upon them. And I, I totally understand why some people don't like this book, but uh, maybe they're looking too much into it. This is like a, just a fun book. Yeah. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go lower. I think I'm gonna go like a 3.25. Um, I like it. It's fun, but uh, it's not like one of those things where I feel like I have to be reading. You know. Makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Whenever I get to it, I get to it. Yeah. Where do we wanna go next? What do we got? The normals and the animosity left. Yep. Uh, let's go with animosity next then. Ah, uh, is that because you? Uh, you just want to gush about Adam Glass? Is that is that what it is? Uh, maybe. <laughs> so, animosity number nine is Marguerite Bennett on writing duties, Raphael De La Torre on art, Rob Schrager on colors, the swag, yep. and uh, Marshall Dillon on letters. Marshall Dillon's pretty busy. He is busy, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He's everywhere. Good for him. You know what? This, this past week was... Uh, Comic Book Letterer Appreciation Day. Marshall Dillon, we appreciate you. We do. We do. Anyways, the crew continues their journey to California. So now we're in Virginia. And uh, I'm not going to recap this, but I found it really, really interesting. Because from the first issue, we have wondered... Was the rise something that affected only animals, mm-hmm. or did it also affect insects? And finally, in this issue, we learned that yes, it did affect insects. And I gotta say, the whole thing with the beehive was yep. clever as hell. Yep. Clever as hell. Um, so a- as our crew is going through Virginia, they come upon a dam... And uh, there's some nice character building too, by the way. So the goat, it speaks Spanish. Mm-hmm. So like he's teaching her how to speak Spanish. And they're talking about the flood and fire and all that, which I thought was interesting, the, the words that are used. Because I, there are no arc references. Right, correct. And uh, it, it's fitting because all you have is this, a guy, a girl, and a bunch of animals. And yeah, it's not two of a kind, but all the animals are different. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I thought that was interesting and, and very reflective of the kind of themes that the book is discussing. And um, as she's learning Spanish, she learns the word for fire, fuego, and she sees fire in the distance. There's smoke coming out from the woods. And at first, Sandor thinks that it's, um, what was it, like the wolf pack or whatever that was following him for a little while? Yes. And uh, so they go and see what, what's going on, and they come upon a dam. And the dam's not on fire. Like, there, there's fires underneath it, but they're really just do, building a lot of smoke because the entire dam is a giant beehive. Yep. And I gotta tell you, I like bees. Bees are good. You know what I'm I saying? Don't. Like, they pollinate flowers. 
oh, I get it, because they sting, whatever. That sucks. But you know well, what? Well, I'm really... allergic, so that's Oh, okay. Well, so you would get the hell out of Dodge here. <laughs> yes. I think it's interesting. You know, bees are good for the environment, I guess. Uh, yeah. They're going extinct. And I find the fact that there's this giant freaking beehive on a dam freaking mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so there's a bunch of humans creating this smoke because they want to trap bees for some kind of purpose. We don't know. And the way that the whole thing is set up, it looks like these guys are up to no good. Okay? Right. And we do see some of the bees. Of course, when the bee stings, it dies. And so yeah. you get a couple panels of bees trying to sting these people and dying. Um, and, I mean, the guys are well protected, so the, the bee stings aren't affecting them. But our crew sees this, and they're like, you know, the bees are dying. We need to go help them. We can't let them die. So the animals rush in to try to save the bees. And the humans kind of fight them off a little bit. Um, the the little raccoon, what's, what, what, what kind of animal is he? He's not a raccoon. No, it's some, he's like a... It's some kind of monkey. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, he's not a monkey because he says that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, I can't remember the name of the animal, but he gets knocked down. Uh, Benjamin's his name. The animals save him, though. And uh, the humans end up running off. As they're running off, the beehive turns into a giant floating demon head. <laughs> yeah. Which is freaking awesome. Yep. And, of course, the bees, the hive works as one. And so, of course, it makes perfect sense that they would speak as one entity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it says you tried to rescue your queen, like she's the only one. You need to rescue your queen. And pretty much the bees end up ho- uh, holding the humans hostage and tell the animals that they need to go rescue the queen and all their sisters because the humans are evil and they're killing the hive. Yeah. And out of that, you get my favorite quote of the book. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Which and is? It's fr- which is from Sandor. And he's running to rescue or to rescue the bees or to help them out. Mm-hmm. And it says, um, he says, I'll give these chuckle fucks a little more than a bee sting. <laughs> that is, <laughs> I just wanted to call everybody a chuckle fuck from then on. <laughs> Uh yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but it's awesome regardless, though. I mean, like you said, the whole, of course, they would all act all together because that's what bees do. Mm-hmm. Just like I would assume, like, if we saw ants, which we might later on, that they would react and do the same thing. Absolutely. So. Well, and then, and then we do, so the hive sends a couple of their... Um, like, what do they call them? Um, I don't know, but they sent a couple of bees with them. Oh, yeah, the scout bees. Scouts. The scout bees. Yeah. yeah. Um, they sent a couple of bees with them, and when when the bee talks, it's like barely legible, right? Because it's it's one bee, and so it's like a squeaky little voice. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that's how I read it in my head too. Like, yeah, right. we can speak for ourselves, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, like a munchkin or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you get a lot of information from the scout. You know they're not the humans aren't after the honey. They're literally just taking bees back to wherever they're from. And uh, you know they, she talks for about whatever her, reason, right? Yeah, for whatever reason we, that we don't know. Right. Um, 
And so, you know, with the help of the scouts, they end up finding the town. And from the looks of it, they're not up to, like, shady business. You know what I mean? Like, they're in a farm. They're animals and humans are working together. They have crops growing. Like, it doesn't seem to be, like, a bunch of evil humans. Because every, every, like, mission of humans that we've seen before, they're just, like, a bunch of shady people trying to take advantage of the animals. And we don't have that here. You know, you, you get a couple panels of the animals talking to each other. Like, the cow is helping the guy farm. Uh, the crows are kind of, like spies you know they scout the area to make sure that there's no danger um really interesting stuff and it turns out that it's an orchard i think an apple orchard but they don't say specifically which then led me to believe that hey that's the reason they have these bees you know they're not trying to kill or kidnap the bees they want the bees to help pollinate their orchard right now why they couldn't ask nicely i don't know but maybe it's just the way that the beehive works that that just wouldn't happen. Right. Although it seems to me that, like, the bees pollinating the orchards would be good for the hive as well. Yeah. So um, there has to be more to that story. Well, and also the thing that didn't make sense, I mean, I'm not a beeologist or whatever they're called, but um, if you take one or two of the bees or, say, five, it still wouldn't be the same result without the queen bee there, Right. Uh, correct. Yep. And there's only usually only one queen bee because that's why she's the queen bee. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they've actually thought this through or not. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I'm not saying Marguerite. I'm saying yeah, the people, people the people. Yeah, right. right. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that Marguerite's thinking way ahead on these things. You know, oh, like yeah. she's developing yeah. ideas quite quite a bit before she puts them on on the page. So. Right. Um, yeah, so as this is happening, Jesse falls down, and the the group from the orchard come up to her, and one of the animals in the group is talking to her, and it turns out that it's Mittens. Yes. The cat that lived upstairs from her in New York City. Yep. So, I mean, Mittens wasn't bad, so this group has to be awesome. So you would think. So you would think. What do you... So, from here, I'm just kind of... I don't know. For reading so many comics and so many post-apocalyptic-style comics, mm-hmm. you're, I'm trained to be leery of everybody. Of you course. know, the whole, the whole DTA, don't trust anyone type mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think Jesse and Sandor and their group has really done that yet. I mean, they might be a little leery since the bat, the last encounter, but I just, I I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. And if you look at that last panel, Sandor looking over it, I, I can't tell if Sandor is weary of finding mittens because he almost looks a little sad. Yeah. And I wonder if maybe he and Mittens had a thing. Really? I, yeah, I was wondering about that. So, like, I don't know if, if he looks sad because they found Mittens and maybe Jesse wants to stay here now because she was so excited to see Mittens. See, I just thought it was like a, a cat and dog play uh, reference, mm. like where 
Mittens was Jesse's friend as well, and so Sandor, being a dog, wants to like jealousy type thing where he wants Jesse all to himself. Uh-huh. And now it's split with a cat. You know. I could see that. I could see that's that. That's that's how I read the look anyway. Yeah, I could see that. That's uh huh. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That's very possible. It's very possible. You want to rate this one up? I'm going to give it the solid 4 cuz from issue 1 till now it's been one of my favorite books from Aftershock. Yeah. And it continues to hit those bars. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, it's a solid four. There's a lot happening here. The art is consistently good. The The writing is consistently good. Um, yeah, fun fun book. I, I love it. This is actually um, one of the few books surviving my infamous culling of comic books. Oh, I'll be talking about that uh, sometime this week on Nerd Legion. Awesome. Yes. All right, so the last book we have is The Normals, number four. This is, of course, written by friend of the show, Adam Glass. And mm-hmm. uh, the art is Dennis Calero, Adriano Augusto on colors, Corey Breen on letters, and uh, Wando always doing the covers. I love Wando. Yep. Wow. <sighs> Anyways, you you want to recap this one? Um, I can. If I can, it's been a while since I read it, so. Oh, shame on you. So recap, it's the road to nowhere, and they're on the boat, and he still doesn't. The kids are shell shocked, basically, mm-hmm. of what just happened, and. Uh, his wife still doesn't know him, but she knows the kids, and um, they still don't believe that they're robots. He believes it because of his fingernail. <laughs> it's got a USB port in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, let's see, and they they start getting clues of where they need to go. Mm-hmm. And then once they start finding the different clues and follow the different clues, then the last clue is they have to go to 754, whatever the address is. Yes. And there's they a find that on the billboard. Yep. Yep. And there's the hazmat and coroner and ambulance people there. Yep. And that's how it ends. Dun, dun, dun. You, you, you missed the one part where... They shoot the clown in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, yes. That was great. I don't know what the deal was with that, but it was funny. I, I dug that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, this was interesting because now it, it has me believing that the doctor that helped them in mm-hmm. the past couple of issues, mm-hmm. he didn't do it out of goodwill. I think right now, to me, it seems a little obvious that the the company that created these androids can't find these people. And finding the normals was kind of their break. And so giving them the tools to go find the rest of the androids um, is going to be easier for them. Because now all they need to do is follow the normals... And then they will be able to find the rest of the androids and eliminate them. 
Well, in this issue, they're one step ahead, though. Well, yes, but so that's the thing, right? If you if you follow the, if you follow this family, they're not like they're not professionals, right? And right. They, they yeah. don't have all the resources that this company has. Right. Right. So even just getting them in the vicinity of where they need to be is going to be a huge help for them. Although, really, if you think about it, I mean, if if, if this family can find the androids with just like a scrapbook, why why yeah. can't the company find them? You know what I'm scrapbook saying? Scrapbook and an iPad. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. And they um, and they and they did get a car from Rosie Perez. <laughs> yes. That's who she looks like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that was cool, and we get to see who the big bad is. Yeah, and she looks like she's—I don't know—twenty-one. Yeah, and and yet she is the CEO of this giant tech company, mm-hmm. um, which really, like, that's not surprising because if you look at tech companies, like all those guys, you know, when they start IPOing, they're like in their early twenties. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, so I can totally see that, but but I like the uh, the back and forth there. Because there's like two pages of Dungeons and Dragons talk. Yeah. And, you know, they talk about like what uh, what class they play and like all this stuff. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. does it look like I play second edition? And I thought that was funny. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, people that are have been playing D&D, like they kind of laugh at anything that's not the original. Right. Um, so I thought that was cool. And as, as we get to meet her, she is about to give a TED Talk. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. Yeah. And then... Also, another cool thing to revert back to killing the clown. Mm-hmm. Um, when his son asks him if he really eats beavers, <laughs> remember that? Yes. Because because the thing says beaver eater. Yeah, the truck's got a truck. beaver eater truck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he was like, "Sure does." Yeah. It's like one of those awkward parent moments, even though they're robots, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or androids, whatever. Yep, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, this is cool. I dug it. I dug it. I like uh, I like following this family around. Um, I'm really curious now about this Emma West thing, though. Like, what her deal is. Yeah. Really, really interested. And and, uh, and the glasses guy uh, that's a vegan. Yes. Yeah, what, what was the deal with that? So he, he bribes the cop with the cops like child pornography browser history just yeah. just to get info on where the vegetarian restaurants are well and also to make him not remember or oh that's right that's what it was nothing happened there yeah the right, right, right or whatever yeah that's right that's right yeah yeah this is good this is good yeah this is real good it's great uh, it could be a sci-fi show it should be a show yeah is it going to have uh, Rain Wilson in it? Is that what you we'll said? We'll see. <laughs> that's Rough Rider, sir. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. But I could see Rain playing the, the dad, too. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. He, he was good on uh, Backstrom. Rain's going to be in the new Star Trek show. Yeah? Yeah. Anyways. So are, you, are you saying he's too busy to be Teddy Roosevelt? Is I mean, that what you're saying? He might be. <laughs> I don't know. Let's rate this one up. Go for it. Uh, I knew you were going to do that. Uh, I'm going to give this a, uh, a 3.75. I like it. I like that we're always getting new info. I love Adam's writing style because there's, there's always something happening. There's never a dull moment. 
And uh, this is a great series. This is a great series. I hope everyone's reading it. Yep. I'm going to stick with stick with my solid four for the episode. Just because, uh, pretty much like what you said, there's like the beaver hunter or the beaver eater <laughs> one-liners. And then like him trying to jog his wife's memory, I mm-hmm. guess. Yep. And talking about the black lung and, you know, she doesn't understand, obviously. So, yep. Strong issue. Always one of the ones I want to read mm-hmm. in my stack first when it comes out. So, yep. agreed. Agreed. I think that's it. Let's see. So, this week we have uh, World Reader number six, which I believe is the last issue. Mm hmm. We also have Animosity the Rise number three. That should be interesting. Yes. And then next week we have Insects number 13 and Baby Teeth number 4. Yep. So next episode, that's what we'll be covering uh, if Ronnie catches up on Insects. I'm pretty much caught up on Oh, are you? Yeah. Oh, look at you. So we might have to do a bonus episode like Retro Aftershock (laughs) Central Pod where we just talk about Insects. Hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> all right, you can find us all on Twitter at Rambar316, at Geekvon, at Jack Sutherland, at AfterShockPod, and uh, check out the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash AfterShockComicFans. We're done for this week. Have a good one.